Today's episode is brought to you by our brand new exclusive discount code for thebeardstruggle.com. Gentlemen, have you grown out that beard or are you just starting? Well, if you're like me, you began to notice pretty quickly that the skin underneath all that hair can get pretty dry and flaky. And trust me when I tell you, beard dandruff sucks. And the people over the Beard Struggle know this and have made it their life's work to develop the best products to make growing and keeping that beard as painless as possible. Over time, the ingredients in their formulas have proven themselves, not just because their customers have had enormous success with them, but because they have worked for centuries. They use 100% natural ingredients, never test on animals, and promise a 90-day money-back guarantee. From the day and night oils, the shampoos and conditioners, all the way to the ingenious beard straightener. They have everything you need to tame that face fur, and I use them, my beard has never looked, felt, or smelled better. Just ask my wife. So go to thebeardstruggle.com, all one word, or click on our link in the show notes and use our new exclusive discount code, AUDIO15 at checkout for 15% off. That's A-U-D-I-O-1-5 for 15% off your entire order. Go now and feast your face! podcast land <laughs> <laughs> okay fuck you i was trying to be pleasant i know it, it was very pleasant it, it you laughed at me because it was not something i was uh expecting you give me shit usually, for usually you sit there and stare at me until i say something stupid so exactly you say... so you don't <sighs> what do you want from me i th- no i think that was great i have I appreciate you starting the show. Welcome to Weekday Cliff Notes. Hey, and she got the title right. Two weeks in a row. I know. You're on a fucking roll. I know. With a migraine, nonetheless. <laughs> She's a trooper. God I damn it. am. Well, I, okay, I'm i Kevin. <laughs> I'm Stephanie. This is Open a Fucking Book. Weekday Cliff Notes. Yeah, okay. Edition. Yeah. yeah. I have no news, but you apparently have a bunch of shit to get to, so I will uh, open the floor up to discussion. It's not shit that I need to get to. It's books that I I was looking around for book news, and there was no book news. I so... mean, there was some, just nothing that was like, like who, who got awarded Best Fiction and Nonfiction Book 2021 or some bullshit, and just some other stuff. But it wasn't anything that seemed worth talking a ton about. So I was like, I'm boring her already. No, I'm tired. I've taken a lot of medicine today. Okay. Well, you you have gone on and on about, oh, there's so many books that you want. Now I'm going to be so mad when you bring up all the books <laughs> that you want. So let's get to it and see how pissed off I get. Okay, there's five. I thought there was more, <laughs> but there's five. Okay, that, that, that's all. Just five. 98 in here by the meat thermometer. Okay, so the first book I'm going to bring up. Most of these don't come out till March. I guess one of them came out already in January. So I may only beg you to buy one. Okay, first one. By beg, she means secretly purchase it anyway. And then when it comes in the mail, she's like, look what I got. No, I will beg you. Okay. And love on you until you say yes. (laughs) 
Fair enough. Go ahead. Okay. The first book is Tell Me My Name by Amy Reed. It is a dystopian reimagined Great Gatsby. Okay. Um, this is the synopsis, I guess. This near-future dystopian treats reimagines the Great Gatsby in a dying world through the lens of influencers, celebrity, and emotional dependency. Fern has lived her whole life on the Commodore Island, a wealthy enclave that's separated from the horrors of, mo- of the modern world. When a famous young woman called Ivy arrives on the island, everything changes, especially when she shines her light on the quiet, isolated young woman she meets at the local store. So I think maybe there's going to be some uh, lesbianism, gayism. I, I I don't know what term. Homosexuality? Yeah, homosexual <laughs> uh, tendencies on, to, okay. to turn on the... A homosexual version of the Great Gatsby. There we go. So right. that would be that. I think that's going to be an interesting read, and it's going to be a modern take on it as well. In a future dystopian world, it's not really modern if it's in the future. Well, near future, futuristic take on it. And then um, I'm not sure if it's supposed to be this next book is either blessed monsters or blessed. Because it could be pronounced either way. Okay. Um, it's by Emily A. Duncan. It's the third entry of the Wicked Saints. Um, the Eldritch, Eldritch Gods have awoken. Now the three children who woke them will have to deal with the consequences of their heresy. Dense, expansive, and totally immersive. This is one of the best contemporary fantasy series. Um... I got a little ahead of myself. Tell Me My Name comes out March 9th. Blessed Monsters comes out April 6th. You're jumping way far ahead. Yeah, I know. Um, the third book is Witches Steeped in Gold by... It's C-I-A-N-N-O-N. Smart. I think it's Channon. Because in different languages, C-I makes a ch sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chiampa. Yeah. Uh, it's a Jamaican-inspired fantasy debut that centers on two warring witches who enter an uneasy alliance in order to destroy a shared enemy. The publisher de- described it as having a twisted cat and mouse of killing Eve with the richly imagined fantasy world of Furyborn and Ember in the Ashes. I love killing Eve. I know you do, and... I know a little bit about Ember in the Ashes. So I think that it's going to be a very interesting book. So, and that comes out April 20th. So these are kind of like birthday book ideas a little bit, you know? And then this book came out January 5th. Okay. And it's right up my alley. I mean, come on. It's called Lore and it's by Alexandra Bracken. I already own a couple books of hers. Yeah, I know. I've I've seen Wayfarer and Passenger. Yeah. Um, it's every seven years the Agon begins as punishment for the past rebellion. Nine Greek gods are forced to walk the earth as mortals. They are hunted by the descendants of ancient bloodlines, all eager to kill a god and seize their divine power and immortality. Long ago, lore. Persoius, 
Perseus fled that brutal world, turning her back on the hunt's promises of eternal glory after her family was murdered by a rival line. For years, she's pushed away any thought of revenge against the man, now a god, responsible for their death. Deaths. Yet, as the next haunt dawns over New York City, two participants seek her out. Castor, a childhood friend, Lore, believed to be dead, and Athena, one of the last of the original gods, now gravely wounded. The, godder, the goddess offers an alliance against their mutual enemy and a way to leave the Agnon behind forever. But Lore's decision to regen the rejoin the hunt binding her fate to athena's will come at a deadly cost and it may not be enough to stop the rise of a new god with the power to bring humanity to its knees so it's kind of like an adult version of percy jackson only instead of poseidon being you know the main god character because you know percy is poseidon's son it's athena but i don't know if that child is you know it's not a child of a god it's not a demigod it's you know gods being cast out of olympus to live as mortals and i i love anything to do with mythology i know so i'm really excited and then uh the last book comes out march 2nd it's called the lost apothecary hidden in the depths of 18th century london a secret apothecary shop caters to an unusual kind of clientele. Women across the city whisper of a mysterious figure named Nella who sells well-disguised poisons to use against the oppressive men in their lives. But the apothecary's fate is jeopardized when her newest patron, a precocious 12-year-old, makes a fatal mistake, sparking a string of consequences that echo through the centuries. Meanwhile, in present-day London, aspiring historian Caroline Parswell spends her 10th wedding anniversary alone, running from her own demons, when she stumbles upon a clue to the unsolved apothecary murders that haunted London 200 years ago. Her life collides with the apothecaries in a stunning twist of fate, and not everyone will survive. With crackling suspense, unforgettable characters, and searing insight, The Lost Apothecary is a submersive and intoxicating debut novel of secrets, vengeance, and the remarkable way women can save each other despite the barrier of time. And that book is by Sarah Penner. So, I mean, women power, I'm all about that, and it being, you know, like, creepy time in 18th century London. So, I'm all about that. Yeah. Except for the fact that half of those books don't come out for a month or two. <laughs> we have to remind everybody between now and then. But they sounded so cool. They do sound they they sound very interesting. And right up my chute. <laughs> right, right up the old chute. My hole. <laughs> don't don't. I did. Don't no. Don't, but I already did it. Don't. All right, let's get to the four books of the week. Okay. So our fiction book this week is Superhost by Kate Russo. Bennett Driscoll is a Turner Prize-nominated artist who was once a rising star. Now, at age 55, his wife has left him, he hasn't sold a painting in two years, and his gallery wants to stop selling his work, claiming they'll have more value, retrospectively, when he's dead. So, left with a large West London home and no income, he's forced to move into his artist's studio in the back garden and list his house on the popular vacation rental site, Airbed. Like Airbnb. Yeah. 
A stranger now in his own home with his daughter, Mia, off at art school, and any new relationships fizzling out at best, Bennett struggles to find purpose in his day-to-day. That all changes when three different guests, lonely American Alicia, tortured artist Emma, and cautiously optimistic divorcee Kirsty, unwittingly unlock the pieces of himself that have been lost to him for too long. Warm, witty, and utterly human, Superhost offers a captivating portrait of middle age, relationships, and what it truly means to take a new chance at life. From G.P. Putnam's Sons Publishing, it is out now, 368 pages. Okay, so that's two books I need to suck up to you about so far? <laughs> sure. Well, apparently, she now the, the artist, the whole artist uh, angle to it, apparently, Kate is also... An artist. An artiste. Yes, because when I was looking over on Twitter, I, c- I couldn't find her on there. I found her Instagram and her webpage, and she has a lot of her art on there. We have, we'll have the link up to her Instagram and uh, also her website, and you can go look at the book and all of her art. The thing is, though, babe, authors are artists. I mean artists as in... Painter, sculptor. Yeah. Yeah. Writers are artists, too. Yeah, yeah. Okay, get off your high fucking horse. I'm not saying that, but I mean, I know a lot of authors who are also artists. When I say she's she's not just an author, she's also an artist, you know what the fuck I mean. Yes, I do. Okay. But I'm saying that it it's more common than you think it is. So, you, that's fine. Fuck giving you. Me, giving me shit. For the rest of your life. Our nonfiction book is <clears throat> 400 Souls, A Community History of African America, 1619 to 2019, by Dr. Ibram X. Kendi and Dr. Keisha N. Blaine. The story begins in 1619, a year before the Mayflower, when the White Lion disgorges some 20 and odd Negroes onto the shores of Virginia inaugurating the African presence and what would become the United States. It takes us to the present, when African Americans, descended of those on the White Lion and a thousand other roots to this country, continue a journey defined by inhuman oppression, visionary struggles, stunning achievements, and millions of ordinary lives passing through extraordinary history. 400 Souls is a unique, one-volume, community history of African Americans. The editors, Kendi and Blaine, have assembled 90 brilliant writers, each of whom take on a five-year period of that 400-year span. The writers explore their periods through a variety of techniques, historical essays, short stories, personal vignettes, and fiery polemics. They approach history from various perspectives through the eyes of towering historical icons or the untold stories of ordinary people, through places, laws, and objects. While themes of resistance and struggle, of hope and reinvention, course through the book, this collection of diverse pieces from 90 different minds, reflecting 90 different perspectives, fundamentally deconstructs the idea that Africans in America are a monolith. Instead, it unlocks the startling range of experiences and ideas that have, ex- that have always existed within the community of blackness. This is a history that illuminates our past and gives us new ways of thinking about our future, written by the most vital and essential voices of our present. By One World Publishing, comes out February 16th, 528 pages. I think that would be an essential book to have in every home. Yeah, I mean, it. 
that's a lot of authors, poem poets, you know, whatever, to throw in one. I mean, each person's taking up five years of a 400-year span. Yeah, but so nine, each per- 90 of them. 90 times five is 450 years. So some of them aren't even getting a full five years. Some of the, some of the years might overlap. Possibly. Depending on what story you're they're telling. Oh yeah, that I guess that makes sense. Yeah. And they might go back a little bit before sixteen nineteen to well, you know, back before people got, you know, taken away from their families and shipped over here against their will. Yeah. But yeah, it it it, it stuck out to me. It's like that's all that's a that's a light to, lot to write about. And then I found out it was 90 people writing about it. I was like, oh, okay. That that divvies up the uh, the work a little bit. Yeah, the workload. That is something that should be turned into a textbook and taught in schools. Seems like it'd be bigger than one volume. It's only one volume. That's something that, like, I mean, Roots was supposed to be two volumes. was going to be two volumes because it was so big. And that only covered, that. I mean, that didn't cover near what this is covering. Yeah, but I mean, you know, you look at a novel versus a textbook. True. That's not. I mean, it's not technically a textbook. It's a. No, I'm saying though, if it was turned into a textbook, that would be a better way to teach. Well, it's written by two professors. Well, yes. Well, edited by two. They both contribute to it, but also edited by two professors. So. Yeah, I think that's how, you know, even if it's just during Black History Month. Or if it's... It needs to not be. I know, but you know how our country is. The least that they will probably do is just Black History Month. So even if it is just Black History Month, that's still... That's giving students more information than they know. I mean, college is different. They they teach more of the truth in college than they do that in... That depends on the college. Well, yes. But in public school... They don't teach the truth. Yeah, you don't learn a lot of shit that happened in public school. I, I had never heard about, like, uh, Juneteenth. I never heard about that when I was in school. Um, the riots in, well, and speaking of that, the riots that happened in uh, Tulsa. Half the riots that happened in this country. Well, no. Um, with Black Wall Street. I had never heard about that until I was out of until I was way out of school. Most of the the stuff I learned about I didn't learn about in like English or social studies I learned about in my sociology class I didn't learn about like hardly any of that shit in public school I didn't learn about that stuff until I got out of school and started delving into that into history and everything on my own just as an adult for the fuck of it yeah it I thought it was a shame that they didn't teach it in the regular classes that it was the advanced classes for the smarter kids that they taught it to. Yeah. That makes no sense. Because now now I'm looking at some of the people I went to high school with. I'm like, how can you be so fucking stupid? And then I think you didn't have the same education as me, even though we went to the same fucking school. Yeah, well, that's one of the things when you talk about people being fucking, how can you be so fucking stupid? You, you got to look at the public school system and be like, oh, okay, that explains it. Because... Most of our public school system is, and 
not usually to the to the fault of the teachers, it's to the fault of what the material they have to they have to work with and what they have to teach. It's it's not the teacher's fault, it's the parents' fault at home because they don't help their kids. Well, and, and, okay, but I'm talking about the material that is taught. Well, that, that has nothing that to too. do with the parents. Well, that, that has to do with that's not the teachers. That, either. that has that's to do the... with the state, and that has to do with who um, Scholastic and all them get to publish their or where their uh, history books are written and and distributed out of. So it it's all based on standardized test scores. Yeah. So. All right, well, our children's book this week is Amari and the Knight Brothers by B.B. Alston. New York Times bestseller Artemis Fowl meets Men in Black in this exhilarating debut middle-grade fantasy, the first in a trilogy filled with hashtag black girl magic. Ooh. Perfect for fans of Tristan Strong Punches a Hole in the Sky, the Percy Jackson series, and Nevermore. I love Percy Jackson, all right? It came out when I was 19. I, it's a young adult Okay, novel. let me get to the I was a young let me adult. get to the thing. We you get, gave me a look. I gave you a look, and then I went back. To, I was going to go back to read. We don't. It's about this book, not about Percy Jackson. Amari Peters has never stopped believing her missing brother, Quentin, is alive. Not even when the police told her otherwise, or when she got in trouble for standing up to bullies who said he was gone for good. So once she finds a ticking briefcase in his closet containing a nomination for a summer tryout at the Bureau of Supernatural Affairs, she's certain the secretive organization holds the key to locating Quentin. If only she can wrap her head around the idea of magicians, fairies, aliens, and other supernatural creatures all being real. Now she must compete for a spot against kids who've known about magic their whole lives. No matter how hard she tries, Amari can't seem to escape their intense doubt and scrutiny especially once her supernaturally enhanced talent is deemed illegal. With an evil magician threatening the supernatural world and her own classmates thinking she's an enemy, Amari has never felt more alone. But if she doesn't stick it out and pass the tryouts, she may never find out what's happened to Quentin. From Bowser and Bray, Happertine Publishing, it is out now, 416 pages, ages 8 to 12. Okay, add that to the list because <laughs> see normally i if, if it's a if it's a part of a series i won't i won't bring it up because we didn't do it from the beginning but this is the first part of a three-part series so i'm gonna get in right at the beginning it seems interesting and it, yeah it might be a kid's book but you know what half of the books you read are technically kids books no they are young adult books that yeah, which, i started when i was a and, young adult and most of them are from ages 13 to 17 and you are in your Early mid thirties. I don't give a shit about my age. I'm thirty four. Okay, <laughs> but most of, like Harry Potter, I started so when I was old. Fuck you! I don't want you to be my Valentine anymore. That just means I don't have to buy you shit. Yeah, you still do. <laughs> then, then fuck you. I want my rose back. It's in the kitchen. Did you even put it in a vase yet? Yes, in the kitchen. Okay, Dick. Take it back. You'll just end up killing it. The, He's so mean to all me. All the flowers I get you, you kill. You put them in a nice vase for like a week, and then you don't do anything else with them that you're supposed to, and they die. I feed them the stuff that comes with it. Once. 
There's only one package. A lot of them came with two packages. So you put this one in like a week later. That way they last longer than you don't. They just die. I do what it says to do. Okay. See, guys, you can, so mean. You can, the flowers I get you, you could go the extra mile and don't. I do. I snip them the right way. I even keep them long after they're dead. <laughs> I know. Which is just as bad. Because then we have dead flower petals all over the place. But I keep them because that's it every if, six if months if, you'll get me flowers or once a year. I get you. I, I've gotten you flowers more than that. Just sometimes I just don't spend the money on flowers because they die and it's pointless. But dead flowers are just as beautiful as flowers that are alive. Not really. And they start to stink. Go ahead. Say what you were going to say. I want that book. <laughs> And you, you hurt my feelings. Oh, I did not hurt your feelings. Yes, You're so did. full of shit. You guys see how mean he is to me. She's so full of shit. No, he's mean to me. You're so full of shit. Get to the last book, see if we can make it four for four. <laughs> oh, did you? Did you? you I wanted... just said add it to the list. Jesus Christ. Going on the list. You just made the list, see? And you even got it wrong. I did get it wrong. I think it's copyright. Or trademarked. I don't know if we can say it. I can say whatever the fuck I want. He's got his own podcast. I don't know if we can say that on this podcast. Fuck Jericho. <laughs> Our YA novel, The Electric Kingdom by David Arnold. When a deadly fly flu sweeps the globe, it leaves a shell of the world that once was. Among the survivors are 18-year-old Nico and her dog on a voyage devised by Nico's father to find a mythical portal. A young artist named Kit Raised in an old abandoned cinema, and an enigmatic deliverer who lives life after life in an attempt to put the world back together. As swarms of infected flies roam the earth, these few survivors navigate the woods of post-apocalyptic New England, meeting others along the way, each on their own quest to find the life and love in, the, in a world gone dark. The Electric Kingdom is a sweeping exploration of art, storytelling, eternal life, and above all, a testament to the notion that even in an exterminated world, one person might find beauty in another. From Viking Books for Young Readers, February 2021, 432 pages, ages 13 to 17, which means it's right up my wife's alley. I like YA. I like adult contemporary. I like fantasy. I like science fiction. I like a little bit of romance. <laughs> Fuck you. There is no age limit okay. on books. What do you think of the book? I think it sounds interesting. And we got four it, for four. Okay. <laughs> you know, I, we can't afford for you to buy all, because so, so far you it, it's nine books. The no. five that you read that you want, and then the four yeah, that I read that you want. Four it's of the nine. ones that I read aren't coming out for another month. It doesn't matter. So, lore, I want right now. And then we'll talk about the other three that you mentioned. Okay? All, all right. Don't smile at me when you're just giving me shit. God damn it. I love you. Oh, fuck. Give everybody your socials. Jesus fucking Christ. On Instagram and Twitter, we are at OpenAFINGBook. I am at ECJBAT. On Twitter, he is at YoungETAM6. And on Instagram, he is YoungETAM. Go to email. I keep. I keep. 
I keep on saying go to our email. Don't go to our email. Email us. I go to our email. You stay the fuck away from our email. But you can email us. Openafingbook at gmail.com. If there's any books you want us to cover, any authors you want us to cover, Stephanie Goodreads. Goodreads.com slash openafingbook and goodreads.com slash ecjbat. That last one's mine. When was the last time you added anything on there? Uh... I forgot to update the last that I've read of American Gods. So I I updated when I read to page 94, and I am way past 94 now. Okay. Well, so, then you need to update. I know. Go to our Patreon. We have plenty of stickers left. Patreon.com slash open and effing book. All your donations go to make this show even better. You can get a shout out. You can get uh, the unedited. Oh boy, would you get some unedited stuff from today's episode. Oh boy, <laughs> that you get to listen to. Um, I tooted. If, <laughs> it's more than just that, but okay. Uh, if a monthly commitment's a little bit too much for you, you can always buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash open an effing book. It's just a, a single time. I don't have anything else on there for it, so it's just a, a single one-time thing just to Show us you love us. I want a butter beer cappuccino. Go come okay, come back for our Monday show. Uh episode two of James Baldwin. Uh write and review us wherever you listen. Follow, subscribe, all that good shit. It helps us get up on the chart. Two thumbs up. Go to your local library, volunteer if they let you. Go to a local independent bookstore and buy a book from a local independent author. If that's something you are able to do, it's the best thing you can do to help them out right now. Look down at our show notes. It'll have Twitter for all, I guess, of the authors that we covered tonight. And uh, a link to get to all of the books. Either order them or pre-order them. Not my bad. If it's possible. Which just, you know, she gave me... Commerce! A little bit more work. Like Rick said. You gotta buy everything, Morty. Buy everything. Just buy. Buy books. You did did the one thing you're supposed to do, Morty. You you spent money. You bought something. You bought a thing. Go buy books. Lots of them. And then bookcases. Okay. That's all I got. And we're leaving now. Okay. So you'll stop. Take care of yourself. Take care of one another between now and the time. We get to talk to you again. To yourself. I've got the biscuits! Just say the name of the fucking show. Open a fucking book. There you go. Bye. I got it.